Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Three, we're looking at some advanced metrics in a must-make dynasty move on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Glad to be back now for a second episode this week. Things are really heating up in the NFL landscape. Uh, we're going to look at some advanced metrics that maybe talk a little bit of dynasty for a quick minute. What's going on, Curtis? How are you? I'm I'm ready to get into it, man. Um, it, it we're getting into the flow of the season. Um, kind of getting our weekly reps in. Uh, I'm getting like I remembered to make my Tuesday league waiver wire uh, transactions today. <laughs> I, I've already kind of got some of those copied over for tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I, I'm in the groove a little bit. Looking forward to getting in the groove um, with some of our uh, our weekly topics here and kind of our our show number two each week being. Uh, this advanced analytics stuff. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff in our uh, partnership with uh, with SIS, and I know you've been really kind of uh, culling through all of that data the last couple of weeks. And so, um, excited to talk about some of these rookies and how they're stacking up. Yeah, definitely. So, what I'll say here is, I don't want to include Justin Fields in this because of the debacle that was the Chicago Bears, which I don't think was his fault, as we've already talked about earlier in the week. So I just wanted to focus here on Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson felt like with Lance, we haven't seen enough of him passing for these, these metrics to really make a lot of sense uh, for us to cover now. So I'm going to kind of give the high level and then maybe a couple of key takeaways here. Uh, one thing I want to note off the bat is that they've all been passing a pretty significant amount of time. Mac Jones is actually seventh in attempts Trevor Lawrence, ninth in attempts, and Zach Wilson actually is 14, 14th in attempts. So these guys have been airing it out a fair amount. Uh, Mac Jones with the highest completion percentage at 68. Trevor Lawrence, or excuse me, uh, yeah, 68 for Mac Jones. Trevor Lawrence at 54. Zach Wilson at 55. But a couple of interesting things here, Curtis. Mac Jones with a catchable percentage and on target percentage of uh, which were both competitive, 83% catchable passes for Mac Jones. That's a that's up there with some of the top scores in the league. 
Trevor Lawrence is 71. But a really interesting thing that I was not expecting to see is Zach Wilson's catchable rate is actually at 82. So there's this big delta between his completion percentage and his catchable percentage. It's hard to say at this point with the data that we have, if his completion percentage is a being so low is a byproduct of something that he's doing. But I was pretty surprised to see this. And then in terms of a dot at this point, they're all throwing for more than eight uh, yards a depth of eight yards on average per attempt. You actually have Trevor Lawrence at nine, which is pretty competitive. Um, another interesting thing here too, is if you look at pressures per sack, Zach Wilson, not doing a great job. Every three pressures, he's taking a sack. We actually see Trevor Lawrence doing the best in that metric. Uh, eight pressures to each sack, Mac Jones, seven pressures to each sack. And, each quarterback is between 30 and 40% uh, pressure rate. So those kind of fall in line with league averages. Now, in terms of passing for touchdowns, obviously at this point, Trevor Lawrence has thrown the most touchdowns. We see him at a pretty competitive rate of 24 attempts to each touchdown pass. Mac Jones, it's kind of alarming to see at 60 attempts to every touchdown pass. Zach Wilson, 52 to every touchdown pass. And the final thing I'll close here with is though some of these numbers might be encouraging from a real football perspective, um, SIS has this measure that they call IQR pretty similar to a lot of your generic passer rating formulas. But what they do is they isolate things so that they're only looking at results that are in the control of the quarterback. They're taking away independent things like drop passes, dropped interceptions, throwaways, items like that. Mac Jones faring the best with a rank of 27th, Trevor Lawrence at 32, Zach Wilson at 34. So my overall assessment on these quarterbacks so far is that it hasn't been going um, as splendidly as they would have liked. I think that we're seeing an impact for the wide receivers on their team, um, which is kind of interesting because Mac Jones is passing to Nelson Aguilar. Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, guys that the GLSP keeps viewing as playing in interesting matchups. They've had a couple matchups on their schedule already where it looked like they could have gone off, but we haven't really seen things manifest. Uh, and I think that that IQR is just kind of encapsulating what we've seen at this point. So a little concerning for the pass catchers in those offenses. Were you surprised at any of these results, Curtis? Yeah, it was. Um, and I think this is just helpful to compare the rookies to one another um, to get a little bit of context. Yeah. You know, because I think on the surface level, I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, he came in with the most fanfare. The most was expected of him. Um, and and I think, you know, Zach Wilson is a little bit of an enigmatic, um, you know, type of player that was perceived to have a wide range of outcomes. And then Mac Jones, I mean, many people didn't expect him to start you know, for, for several weeks. And then, you know, he ends up being, you know, kind of a surprise starter as the team cuts Cam Newton. So they have different paths to being, uh, you know, basically, um, you know, starters for their entire NFL careers uh, already. And uh, their, their performance um, being so much in line with one, one another, I think is interesting given their team context too. Like when I line these teams up against each other, like I would expect Trevor Lawrence to perform, probably 
much better than either of the other quarterbacks, even if we removed talent from the equation because of the surrounding talent, um, like remove the quarterback talent and look at the surrounding talent. I mean, Jacksonville was a, a receiving core that a lot of people were pretty excited about from a fantasy perspective and, and from a real football perspective, they kind of had a little bit of everything. You had DJ Chark as a, as a deep threat field stretcher, um, you know, who had shown a little bit of a ability to do more than that. Marvin Jones, the savvy veteran, you know, um, being able to get open, also a big playmaker. And then LaVisca Chanel is kind of the yards after catch guy. He has a, a weapon at every level, um, but, you know, still kind of just being, you know, pedestrian when compared to the rest of the NFL. It's a little disappointing given some of the early breakouts we've seen from quarterbacks in, in recent years. Um, I was going to ask a clarifying question on Zach Wilson sure. with the catchable percentage. Does that include catchable to the other team? Um, <laughs> because if, because uh, I could see that even if, if it doesn't, it's probably even higher. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Wilson, um, he's made a couple throws that, I mean, they were definitely catchable, uh, but they're also big time head scratchers in terms of, you know, why he pulled the trigger. So, yeah, the takeaways here are, you know, look, I don't think any of these three quarterbacks have been so abys- abysmal that you're worried about, you know, them being a bust or, um, you know, the, the team's going to give up on them early, you know, kind of like we're hearing some of the, ch- the early chatter in Chicago. Um, I think the coaches in, in all three of these situations, um, you know, have, have confidence to keep trotting these guys out. So um, the on-target percentage is, is super encouraging in particular for Mac Jones because in, in his long-term like dynasty outlook, you know, we know Belichick doesn't have a lot of patience for turnovers or, you know, wasted plays. So when you see a high on target percentage and then now it just becomes the receiver's job, um, you know, to, to make it into a positive play, you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing. And then for Zach Wilson, you would almost expect, um, you know, maybe for some of his statistics to his counting stat statistics to um, correct, right. If he right. keeps throwing he it on target, but his completion percentage is low at some point, you know, he probably has a breakout week where the, the receivers step up or they face a weaker defense um, and and we see some correction and maybe some things to get excited about. So um, yeah, I definitely think it's a it's a great exercise and you know perhaps checking back in on these quarterbacks, you know six seven eight games into their career uh, and then trending their performance versus these first three weeks will you know yield you know some interesting results as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so just to close, um, one more encouraging thing for Trevor Lawrence at this point, if you look at things including volume uh he's actually thrown for more intended air yards than just a handful of passers which is encouraging like you mentioned with zach wilson we should see things kind of normalized for him that completion percentage should come up perhaps it comes this week glsp likes Corey davis who we saw go off in week one it also likes braxton berrios a very deep name to throw out there for people that might be in need of a wide receiver Uh, Another rookie that I wanted to look at, Curtis, because we talked about his 19 target performance yesterday. I wanted to take a look at Najee Harris, see if there's anything we can glean about where he stacks up in terms of performing in the NFL. So I went into the Advanced Stats Explorer, limited my search for rushing attempts uh, of 20 or more. So players that have rushed 20 or more times this season. Najee Harris, eighth in broken tackle percentage with 12.5%. Uh, of his rushing attempts, including a broken tackle 15th in evasion percentage, which blends broken and missed tackles. Interesting thing here is he's been hit at the line 55% of the time. Uh, 
which puts him in line with players on Houston and Las Vegas with, um, well, also when you look at that, he's only averaging one yard before contact. Uh, that is not good. Uh, like I said, you see the players from Houston dealing with that, but he's 19th in yards after contact, which is pretty nice to see because though he's been given, uh, perhaps not the best start to the carries he's getting, he's managing to fight against that a little bit. Like I said, 19th in yards after contact. So when you look at the leaderboard, Curtis, uh, with some of these finishes for him, he's falling into a pretty impressive range. Now, does scoring well in these metrics always guarantee that you're scoring a lot of fantasy points? No, it doesn't. But we do see a trend where if you look at some of these things like broken tackles, you're more inclined to see some of those very good players in that range. And then the other thing that you'll see is if you look in yards after contact, which uh, Harris scores well in, he gets in there with guys like Nick Chubb, like Derrick Henry, and a pretty good grouping. But perhaps an even bigger takeaway than seeing that, yes, it looks like Harris is able to do some exciting things at the NFL level, is Michael Carter lining up in unison with Harris on a majority of these advanced stats. Uh, He actually has been hit at the line 46% of the time, just 0.8 yards before contact, but he's in the top 10 yards after contact at 2.9. He's also 14th in evasion percentage, just a spot above Najee. So it was pretty interesting to see that. Uh, At this point, you know, the Jets haven't really been able to give Carter the type of coverage uh, or, you know, run an offense that's making him an exciting option. But it was pretty neat to see a guy like him come in and score well in some of these metrics. So perhaps there's something more to Carter than we are aware of now. And as the season plays out, maybe he's able to claw his way into more playing time. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, and this, um, so so first off, um, I think this is, this is, you know, an equally interesting exercise. You know, with Najee Harris, What's happening early uh, in his career kind of reminds me of first season David Montgomery, mm-hmm. um, where couldn't really put together the impressive stat lines. But if you looked, if you looked at the kind of leading indicator metrics like this, um, he was still making some people miss. It's just that there, there was so little space to really get ahead of steam going um, that that he couldn't produce, and then he maintained. Um, a lot of these metrics going into year two of his career, but as the offensive line uh, and offense um, improved overall a little bit, you know, we saw his yards per attempt jump up by um, over uh, 0.6 um, over, you know, basically 250 carry sample. So, you know, we saw a big leap from year one to year two and that, you know, that translated to, um, you know, a, lo- a lot better fantasy production with Montgomery finishing what I think is maybe RB five or something last year, if memory serves. Um, so, you know, it's something to keep an eye on with Najee. You know, Pittsburgh has an atrocious offensive line, but it seems like he's, you know, he is doing what he can um, with his opportunities. And and I appreciate you hitting on Michael Carter 
tying this in with what we've seen from Zach Wilson, if if the receivers can start catching, you know, some more of these passes and they can get some drives down the field, then, you know, perhaps we see, you know, some um, some spiky fantasy production from the running backs if they start getting some opportunities, you know, in the red zone um, instead of just between the 20s. Um, so it all kind of fits together. Um, Carter is probably uber cheap uh, and redraft, maybe even available on some waiver wires at this point. Um, and then from a dynasty perspective, you know, I don't think a lot of people are super encouraged at a surface level analysis that he still seems to be competing with with Ty Johnson and, you know, in earlier weeks with Tevin Coleman, uh, you would have expected to see, you know, an earlier draft pick like this uh, kind of win the job outright, um, I think was expectation of many people who drafted him where they did in rookie drafts. So um, if you're looking at the two players in comparison, Carter just on, on a lower profile team and has a lower you know, profile himself than Najee Harris. Um, but, you know, potentially it makes sense to chase uh, each one of them uh, in Dynasty. For sure. So some interesting stuff there. We'll check in on uh, all of that as the season progresses, in particular the rookie quarterbacks, because I do find it uh, just pretty interesting to see how they pan out in the first season. There's a couple other things we can take a look at as well. But I did want to leave us a little bit of time to jump into some dynasty stuff. I know there was a couple of names that you were throwing around we might talk about. Who do you want to zone in on here? Yeah, I really want to talk. We've got to have the Jonathan Taylor conversation. Um <laughs> We've got to have the Jonathan Taylor conversation. So, you know, if this is this happens to be the first time you've ever listened to the Road of His uh, Fantasy Football Pod, uh, Dave and I and and most of the rest of the Road of His team, huge Jonathan Taylor fans. You know, we, we had him graded as one of the uh, you know the best running back prospects of the last handful of years, um, and and we really anticipated that you know he would break out in a big way uh, this year. You know, uh, assuming that you know no, we couldn't project that there would be quarterback injury troubles. Uh, or that the line wouldn't perform as they have done in recent seasons. So, so you know, some things that are beyond our control, obviously not looking great, but it, that that is carrying over to Taylor's production in, in some ways, but in, in other ways, you know, I think people may be overreacting a little bit to how the first three weeks of the, the season have panned out um, to the point where, you know, and, and I love Sean. I mean, no one really spends a title like Sean in, in the entire industry, uh, his, his Monday reaction article is John. It's the first words of the title are Jonathan Taylor is a ghost, <laughs> uh, followed by DeAndre Swift <laughs> is a star. Um, but you know, that, that's a pretty powerful statement. I think that is the perception of, of many, um, Sean, you know, goes on to talk about how he's frustrated about, you know, Taylor's usage. Um, and, you know, obviously for, for us who are invested in Jonathan Taylor and, and a bunch of high stakes leagues. You know, it's a concern as well. Um, I, I really wanted to take a, a deeper look because just wanted to make sure that I guess my relative patience with Taylor, given everything that's going on, isn't misguided. And that, you know, if I'm going to arrive at like a dynasty buy advisory that, you know, that's that's well informed. Uh, so I started looking at the team's usage uh, patterns of Taylor and key areas of the field, uh, in particular inside the five. You know, last season, um, touchdowns were, you know, responsible for, you know, high percentage of his fantasy production because he wasn't used as much as a receiver as we would have liked. But inside the five, Taylor in 2020 actually got 50% of the rushing attempts. Um, and if you remember, you know, there are some weeks where he actually blew up and he would get them all the way down the field. And then Naeem Hines would get the carry from in close. It's like, yep. you know, kind of counterintuitive to what you would expect uh, of the usage of those backs, given like their size speed combination. 
and Taylor kind of being a power back, but Taylor just 12 rushing attempts inside the five in 2020 converted six of those uh, for touchdowns. Um, so, you know, he had a 50% uh, touchdown conversion rate on those carries from inside the five, and then also a 50%, um, I guess, team carry share uh, amongst running backs anyway, inside the five. Well, we look at 2021, he's receiving one, he's received 100% of the rush opportunities inside the five through three weeks. And he's actually seen six such attempts so far through three weeks. So, I mean, he is, he is far outpacing his usage inside the five. He's get, the team is still getting down there. The offensive line is just not getting pushed off the block and they're settling for field goals down there. I mean, there was a, there was a series earlier this season where Taylor was stuffed on three consecutive carries from the one. I think there's massive correction coming. I, I mean, I really think that Taylor will have a blow up week with two or three rushing touchdowns soon. It is super encouraging to see the team give him every one of those carries. Um, and that speaks a little bit to, you know, more of the, the primary back usage, you know, that the trailing game scripts are uh, lending themselves to Naheem Hines um, being more productive from a fantasy perspective so far this year. But if just a couple of those carries go differently, I mean, the Colts, um, you know, have had a couple close contests. I mean, they may not even be looking like an 0-3 team if just some of those carries are converted. So um, uh, going a little bit deeper with the analysis, he's also received about 73% of the team carries inside the 10 and 72% of the team carries inside the 20 uh, this season. And when we look at last season, just 53% of carries inside the 10 and uh, 54% of carries inside the 20. So the role is what we want. And then, you know, when we go over to the NFL Stat Explorer uh, on Rotoviz, it might surprise you to learn that despite his RB28 PPR ranking right now, Taylor's actually sixth in expected fantasy points among all running backs. Um, you know, all these all these carries from inside the five, obviously, um, you know, feeding that. Um, you know, he also has a 10% team target market share uh, of receptions. And, you know, that that's good for RB22. It's 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 not horrible. Um, so there things are set up for Taylor uh, to have a massive recovery. And, um, you know, I think in redraft, he's certainly a player that can be had. Um and and I know a lot of redraft trades don't really happen. I think the more casual the league, the more likely that something like that would occur. But if you're listening in your home league and your Jonathan Taylor owner uh, manager is freaking out, kick the tires. Um, absolutely kick the tires. You know, Peyton Barber's on fire the last couple of weeks. Throw in Pey- Peyton Barber and a receiver or, you know, a tight end and, you know, see see if they bite, see if somebody's panicking. But from a dynasty perspective, I'm not out on Taylor at all. I think... The first three games of this season have gone as poorly as possible for the Colts. Wentz, is he healthy? Is he not? Um, and, and the line um, not performing up to expectations. Um, when I look forward, uh, when I look forward at the, the Colts schedule in our strength of schedule uh, streaming app, the Colts have the seventh best uh, fantasy schedule for the running back position um, through week 10. And Taylor plays in all seven of those games. You know, a lot, a lot of the other top backs in fantasy, like if you're off to a poor start, um, the, another reason he makes sense as a trade target is, you know, you're not going to have to swallow that by while you're trying to make up, you know, some of, um, you know, these wins in the standings, you know, versus your league mates. Um, you will have to deal, you know, with potentially based off of your, your league's rules, potentially a playoff buy, but, 
you know, I, I, I think he makes particular sense for a struggling team to trade for um, right now because you won't have to sit him and you can start him with confidence. So um, if, if you're listening and you were freaking out on Taylor, that the team is pretty much doing what we wanted with him. Um, he's get, just getting game scripted out a little bit and we just need, you know, some of those goal line carries to convert. Uh, Dave, what's your reaction? So my reaction here is that that's a fantastic point on the expected points. As we talk about so often, there are many, many things you can look in fantasy football. Expected points might be the best thing at actually explaining what has been going on in terms of a player's usage, the quality of it, and then giving you an idea if, if that player should start to regress in whichever direction would make sense. In this case, it does look like we're trending to the positive. Uh, that is a pretty encouraging number when you look and you see that he's sixth in expected points for the reasons that you mentioned. And then on top of that, Curtis, I think that we have to note that if you look at first down percentage among running backs um, with a minimum of 20 rushing attempts at this point, let me just confirm that this is correct. Yeah, rushing attempts, minimum of 20. Jonathan Taylor at 38% is at the top of the league tied with Zach Moss. And I think this is relevant because it's showing that in his role, he's keeping the sticks moving. Naheem Hines is at 25%. Uh, when you look at the other advanced metrics for him, there's nothing that stands out as a glaring problem. He's middle of the road, at least in just about every metric I've looked at. And I think that that first down percentage is key because it's doing two things. It's keeping him on the field. And it's also something that the team isn't going to want to turn away from. I wouldn't imagine though his usage has been kind of odd at points. I do think that's an encouraging point, especially when you couple it in with everything that you said. So it's frustrating. Jonathan Taylor was frustrating at the beginning of last year. Uh, but when you really start to dig in, there isn't a reason to be uh, entirely down on Taylor. Now, if the season continues to play out and he's getting a ton of goal line looks and just can never get them into the end zone, which I don't think is going to be the case, it would be a different conversation. But as things are constituted now, um, I understand the frustration. I have a little bit of worry, but uh, I feel a little bit better after having taken a deeper dive into some of this stuff. Yeah, I am, I'm glad I was able to cheer you up a little bit on that. Um, you know, he, make, he makes a lot of sense as a dynasty uh, trade target right now. You know, his managers were really expecting an early season breakout. They may have expected to be title contenders. Um, his performance so far could have them in, in the gutter. You know, you might have an opportunity to move, uh, you know, to move Dalvin Cook uh, or, you know, even Alvin Kamara and get, Jonathan Taylor plus, you know, actually a, a nice throw in at this point um, with the with the right manager. Um, but, you know, to most of you listening, you're probably also Jonathan Taylor fans because you're fans of Rotovis. <laughs> and uh, I, this this whole this whole, uh, you, you know, this whole rant was basically just to encourage you and uh, uh, to have faith. Uh, never fear. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will be here very soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know if there's any better ways to uh, end this podcast than with that. Uh, unless there was any other notes that you felt compelled to share, we're going to try to keep these middle of the week episodes pretty short. Uh, so it looks like you're good, Curtis. 
Yeah, I think we gave we gave plenty of actionable advice for a uh, a Wednesday morning. So I feel I feel pretty good about this episode. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate everybody listening. Curtis and I will be back on Friday to help get you ready as we start to look forward to the games in the coming weekend. who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done